I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. This week, I've got an electronic musician out of Texas. Holland Holmes is a disciple of artists like Tangerine Dream, Jean-Michel Jarre, and Steve Roach. But he comes into his own on his latest album, Emerald Waters. It was the Echoes CD of the month in February. He also paints, but while his art is representational landscapes and artifacts, his music is pure space imagination. We talk about that dichotomy and his old job as an airline baggage handler that allowed him to meet one of his idols. I'm working a flight to Tucson. And I'm loading the bags on, and all of a sudden, here come all these flight cases. And I noticed on the flight case, it said Steve Roach. And I freaked out, because I just discovered his music about a year earlier, and I was in love with his music. That's coming up, and if you like Holland Holmes, you will probably love the new album by electronic artist Craig Padilla. Like Holmes, he's a disciple of Berlin School sequencer music. He has a new album called Discovery of Meaning. Padilla weaves elements of electronica, trance, new age, drone, ambient, and cosmic space music into his synthesizer soundscapes that also have a really nice sense of melody about them. This is music you can get lost in, and it's the best of his some 40 albums. Craig Padilla's Discovery of Meaning is out on the Spotted Peccary label, which has become the leading purveyor of high-end electronic music. It's available from Amazon, iTunes, Bandcamp, and other retailers. And now, let's dip into Emerald Waters with Holland Holmes. Holland Holmes is an artist highly attuned to his environment in Texas. In fact, he also doubles as an artist of landscape paintings, creating images of the Lone Star State. But when he's not painting Texas scenery, he's creating electronic spacescapes. His latest album, Emerald Waters, is a sequencer dream. I'm talking to Holland Holmes on Zoom from his home in Euless, Texas. Now in his late 50s, he's a portly man with thinning brown hair. He sits in front of a mixing desk and a stack of synthesizer keyboards. As a child, he plunked around on the family piano. It was always there, and Mom and Dad did not keep me from it. I was allowed to do whatever I wanted, you know, under their supervision at first because I was a little hammery, but... I gravitated to it naturally, and it was just something that appealed to me, and by the time I was 12, I could listen to something on the radio and learn it by ear. I remember learning Tubular Bells, that sequence on Tubular Bells with the strange timing, but somehow I figured out how to play that thing. 
You'd think tubular bells might have steered him into progressive music, but not back then. You know, I spent all my time listening to popular radio, so I was never exposed to that kind of music. You could have heard that in his early rock band. My first band was called Desire. <laughs> and we were, you know, typical copy band, you know, a bunch of teenagers playing the Cars, Ario Speedwagon, the Beatles, the Monkees, that kind of thing. But something changed for Holland Holmes, and it came from unlikely sources. In his younger days, Holmes was more of an outdoorsman, and ironically, that's where he started hearing electronic music. We were going to the Okoye River in Tennessee on a kayaking trip, and one of the guys put in this uh, cassette, and it was Jean-Michel Jarre. Then. Can you believe I made it all the way to 1984 and having never heard of Tangerine Dream? First time I heard them was on a, a rock climbing trip in 1984 to a place called Hueco Tanks just outside of El Paso, Texas. This climber, he had a little walkman with two little speakers set up and he had Tangerine Dream playing. And I was like, who is this? He started collecting instruments and, in 2010, produced his first album, In a Distant Light. The album was mastered by another of his electronic heroes, Steve Roach. The first piece I heard was a song called The Breathing Stone, and it was on Western Spaces. I hadn't heard anything like it from, from anywhere. Holmes ultimately met Steve Roach in a very unique way while he was working as an airline baggage handler. Yeah, baggage handler for American Airlines, 1990. And I'm working a flight to Tucson, and I'm loading the bags on, and all of a sudden here come all these flight cases. And I noticed on the flight case said Steve Roach. And I freaked out because I just discovered his music about a year earlier, and I was in love with his music. <laughs> So I ran upstairs, I sweet-talked the flight attendant into letting me go in on board. I had a piece of, just a scrap piece of paper. I grabbed her pen and I ran on board and he was, he was sitting with his wife and, uh, and coach. And, and I, was, <laughs> I was literally shaking. I was totally fanboy, man. It was awful. When Holmes cites Steve Roach as an influence, he's one of the few who don't mention albums like Structures from Silence or Dreamtime Return right away. Instead, he goes to Roach's more recent modular synthesizer work. My favorite music of his is the work that he does with the sequencers and especially in his uh, analog modular uh, work. Skeleton Keys is a perfect example of some of his later work, but that was actually, <laughs> I remember when I got that, 
skeleton keys. I would listen to it every morning on the way to work and every evening on the way home. I was just completely enthralled by it. There's something magical about the way he wields a sequencer. And it's not just a series of notes played over and over and over. There's a lot going on there. So that very deeply resonated with me. That's an influence you can hear on Holmes's Emerald Waters and songs like Hell or High Water. I guess that's one of the things I really wanted to concentrate on with my work was to come up with the kind of sequence that puts you in this trance state but doesn't stay so repetitive that you pop out of that trance and become uninterested in what's going on in the music. So it's very important to me that I let the music sort of change over time in an interesting way, almost imperceptible in some cases, but maintain that sort of trance state, that groove, that feeling that you get when you hear a sequence that just that lights you up. life as a baggage handler was just a stopover. On his way to working first as a graphic artist, he was doing digital surfacing for CGI film projects, and then as a fine artist. He painted covers for a couple of Steve Roach albums. Working mostly in watercolors, he depicts desert southwest landscapes and the paraphernalia of Texas ranch and farm life. What I try to do with paintings like that is capture the essence of what you're looking at. The textures of the rust, the colors of the rust, the textures and colors of the wood, the shadow. When I took the photos and set this all up, I was very careful to produce the long shadows because that adds visual interest to the piece and the composition. Oh man, John, I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures of rusty farm equipment I'm constantly on the watch for, for stuff like that. But his music seems far away from all that. His new album, Emerald Waters, is said to be inspired by the rivers and waters of Texas, but sounds more like the rivers of Omicron Seti Three. My influences in painting are, of course, landscapes. And if you've looked at my work, you know that uh, I paint a lot of old rusty things and, and uh, things of that nature that doesn't really come across in my music. The things that inspire me in my art are tangible, things that I can see and touch and feel. The things that inspire me in my music are rather intangible. They're thoughts and emotions. And of course, some things like, you know, I'm a huge fan of SpaceX and the space program and technology of that nature. And and so that does inspire me and it, it has inspired several of my songs and projects. But my inspiration is more ethereal, I guess, with respect to what inspires me to make music.
Although most of the titles on Emerald Waters have aquatic-based imagery, they began as pure composition. In music making, um, it's all about sound. I would say that half of what I do is all about the sound design, and much of my music is built around those sounds. So a song like Hydroelectric may appear to be an evocation of that image, but it did not begin that way. Usually uh, everything is built around the sound. I have no idea what the song is going to be about or anything. But once I started listening to it, I knew that I wanted this album to be all about water. And because this particular song was a little edgier, a little more, um, I hate to say EDM, you know, dance music kind of oriented, but it has some of those elements. Because it was a little edgier, I wanted something that reflected, you know, that energy. And I was always looking for names for these songs that would work and fit. And Hydroelectric came to mind and I just ran with it. Holmes may not have had the imagery as he composed, but as someone who has worked in film, he could imagine the visuals that he'd put it to. I can envision if I were to make a music video about this, I would start with a lot of old footage of hydroelectric dams and projects and, and things of that nature. Researching Holland Holmes, I came across many spellings of his first name. I get Holland, Hollis, Holly, yeah, Helen, Holen, 1L, uh, yeah, the whole gamut. <laughs> it's Holland, like Holland, but without the D. And if you're curious about his art, you can check him out at hholmes.faso.com. His latest album is Emerald Waters on the Spotted Peccary label. You can read my review of Emerald Waters by Holland Holmes on our website at echoes.org. As I said, it was the Echoes CD of the Month this past February. I'll have a link to that in the posting for this podcast. And while you're there, check out the Echoes CD of the Month Club because you could be getting great albums like this every month and helping to support Echoes and the Echoes podcast. It's all at echoes, E-C-H-O, es.org.org. Next week on the Echoes podcast, the Royal Arctic Institute takes us into their ambient guitar world. Check out their latest album, From Catnap to Coma. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want. Mm-hmm.